0: Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church sermon podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus and his church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with the BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. Megan's in the clouds I mean that was pretty great I don't know how we did that but that was pretty awesome your week's only gonna this is gonna be a good week I mean it started well worship did you enjoy worship this morning I sure did yeah, yeah. absolutely appreciate Jesse appreciate the worship team I mean it's been a really good week for me Hamilton anybody big Hamilton fan anybody see it yeah okay how many of you watched it streaming this week yeah we did We're probably going to watch it again. Um, Fourth of July, nobody, let's see, all ten fingers, everybody still have them? It got a little dicey at our place. We had some ash fall and hitchy. That's how you know it was a good fireworks display. We made it to fireworks. Uh, Anybody try to get them yesterday and they were sold out everywhere? I went to five tents before I found, yeah, we have a couple there, that's all right. Yeah, I, I mean, crazy. And then Panera Bread, anybody sign up for this coffee service? getting coffee free for July, August. I thought it was a scam on Instagram. You sign up for September and they give you free coffee for July and August. I don't know. I'm concerned about their economic stability because I can drink a lot of coffee. All right, where were we? Oh, we were talking, 4th of July, man, it's been a big week, Hamilton. You know, I I love the story of Hamilton. I love. I just love the vision that goes with that. I love the vision that goes with the, the founding of our country. I know that in the news we've been talking a lot about the things that maybe are not right about our country and, and I, you know, I find that actually heartwarming because what other country in the world can you so publicly disagree with your nation and hope to be able to still have an influence and still live in a place of freedom and still affect change? I think that's the amazing thing that is truly fantastic about our country is the ability that we have just in our core document to be able to say you know what we are going to be a nation that is not is going to be full of imperfect people with an imperfect government but we're going to work together to try to create a more perfect union and as i think about the just really the audacity of our founding fathers who really at a time when this type of government that we take for granted today really didn't exist and they said you know what we're going to try this thing where we govern ourselves and everybody's going to get a chance to To have a vote and to have a say you have to ask yourself you know who is it what what was it in them that that brought that about what what was it you know i think the word we might think of today is the word for visionary you know we might say these were visionaries these were people who could sort of see into the future and could say man i want this i want a country that looks like this i I think scripturally we might use a different word we wouldn't say they were visionaries we would say they were people of faith. And the more I thought about faith this week as I studied through Hebrews 11, and the more I thought about just kind of the time and the holiday, just all this stuff sort of came together, it dawned on me that to be a visionary and to be a person of faith is really to be uh, the same thing. I I think about us as, as individuals, you know, if we were to imagine a country, what would it look like? If we were to imagine our own nation, what would we envision Maybe for you that's a little too big. Maybe you could just think about a a, country or a community. You know, What would the community that you would like to have, what would that look like? What about you know, maybe just your own life, maybe your work or your family? What would that look like? It, here's the thing. It, it's faith that believes in what is possible. He, Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 2 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we, what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You see, it's faith that moves us forward. It's this passage here that tells us that that God's people have continually been commended or praised for having the capacity to see what isn't there yet. To, To have the ability to see what is possible with the help and hope in God. That is what faith is. It's the ability to look and to say, you know what, it's not here yet, but I believe that it could be here. It's the the hope that we have in things unseen. It's the faith that looks forward to the completion of God's work while it also looks back and can see that God has been at work throughout history. This passage here, it talks about creation. Creation. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Now, I think the best way to understand this is to realize that Scripture teaches God created the world with order and care. That God created the world with order and care and and intentional design. Now, the mechanics of how that all works, you know... People debate that, but but scripture is incredibly clear that God creates the world with order and care. And you look at our world and you think about the way that you know we're spaced so far from the sun and the moon is spaced from here, and we've got the right type of atmosphere and, and life is here, and it's a beautiful thing that we have here in this created world. God created that for us. And it's this pattern. Of God creating order out of chaos, beauty out of brokenness, that starts in creation, that starts in the book of Genesis, where you have this, this world and it says it's dark and it's void, and, and there's just chaos all around, and God speaks into that chaos, and He creates something that is beautiful and orderly and majestic. That's what God does. And you see that, you know, that pattern repeated throughout history. God comes and he, he finds a group of people that are you know, enslaved in the book of Exodus. And to that chaos he speaks. And he creates order and a nation that is beautiful and orderly designed to point people towards God. You don't even have to go back to Scripture if you're a Christ follower. You can probably look at your own life. I know that I can. I know that I can look at different parts of my life where I can say, man, there was a bunch of chaos and there was a bunch of brokenness and there was a bunch of stuff that was ugly and I wasn't happy with and God spoke into it and he made something beautiful. That's what God does. And the question as far as faith and vision is do we have the capacity to see what God is going to do in our lives? Because some of you here and some of you joining us online, you might... Be in that place of pain and brokenness right now where you're saying to yourself, my goodness, I hope that God does something with this mess because I know that I can't do anything with this mess. I don't have a lot of hope for myself. My only hope is in God. And I would say that this passage commends us, it challenges us to look back on our lives, to see the places in the past where God has done that work and allow that to give us the hope and the strength to wait on God in whatever season we find ourselves. And so if you're in that place of challenge, I would say, look back and say, well, where has God come through in the past for you? And I I would say, look for him to do it again. Say, God, would you do that amazing work in me right now? It's important that as Christ followers, we have that kind of faith That kind of vision that allows us to see what God is doing. This isn't imagination or wishful thinking. This is faith. It's hopefulness. Believing that God can do what He says He will do. It's that faith that forms a partnership with God. It's faith that moves us forward. See, that's the thing with faith. It's through faith we partner with God to build the possible Faith starts with the ability to see what is possible with God, and then it moves us not just to see and look and be a spectator, but to be somebody that would participate with God in building His kingdom right here, right now. If you read through the book of Hebrews, and you come to chapter 11, you start to see all of these people that are commended here in this passage, and the list is long, and it's distinguished, and we're not going to get through all of it here this morning. You'll you'll have to go home and read through Hebrews 11. It's one of the best chapters of Scripture you can read. You, You read through that passage of Scripture, and you'll see all of these names, all of these people who didn't just watch God work, but they partnered with God in the work. Our faith, it connects us with God in many ways. One of them is through worship. Hebrews 11.4, let's hit a few highlights here. It says, by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. You know, we might remember Cain for killing Abel, and so we just remember Abel sort of as the victim. But if you go way back to the book of Genesis, which is where the story is told, you find something pretty spectacular about, about Abel. Up to this point in the book of Genesis, there had been no instructions given for how to worship God. It said that God was there with the people, that God spoke to the people, you know, in the beginning in the garden. And then they get exiled. And then what happens is they're just kind of all living there. They're aware of God, but they don't, they don't have any act of worship. There's no priest, there's no Bible at this point in time. They're just kind of all there. And so you get this picture that Abel just sort of is like there and he's feeling really grateful, you know, for the, the place that he lives and for the things that God has done for him. And he's like, you know, hey, Cain, why don't we do something nice for God? You know, like, let's, let's like, give him a present. Like, let's give him, a, a, you know, a gift, you know. And Cain's like, well, that's never been done before. You know, nobody's ever given God a present. You know, how does, how does that work? And, and Abel's like, I don't know, really know how it works, but I just believe that, that I could give something to God that would, that would make him happy. I, I, I believe, this is faith, I believe I have a vision that I could somehow do something that would bring glory to God and God alone. And so here's what we're going to do, Cain. We're going to get all, you know, some of the stuff that we've worked really hard for. You know, I've got animals. You're a gardener. We're going to get those things. We're going to put them together, and we're going to light it on fire, you know, because men like fire, and we're going to light it on fire. And as it burns, the smoke's going to go up to God, and it's going to be like a present. We're going to give it to God through fire. And and Cain's like, Uh, all right, I guess, you know, we can do that. And so Abel, you know, you get this picture that that Abel goes to his flock and he picks the very best, you know, like he feels all the sheep and the goats and he gets gets a real fat one. He gets a good one. And he says, all right, this is what I'm going to give to God. And he brings it to this place, this altar that he's going to sacrifice. And it says that Cain, you know, he just kind of picked whatever was left over. Like maybe Cain was like weeding, you know, he's like, he's pulling all the weeds out of his garden. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to just light something on fire. It was don't don't need to put the prize-winning carrot up there because that's how big a prize-winning carrot is you know just you know just the small runty kinds of things and he puts that together and they light it on fire and what do you end up with it says that god is pleased with abel's offering but not with Cain's. and it has nothing to do with god liking meat more than vegetables uh that might be true i don't know that for a fact uh it has everything to do with the heart with the faith that abel has abel gives to god the best why does he do this? It's because he believes, he has faith. He says, you know, I think that if I come and I meet God in this place where I want to give him glory and I want to give him honor, I think he's going to be glorified in that. You know, I think this has a lot to do with the way that we do our own work in this world. You know, you might be going, well, how, how, can, I, how can I make my work an offering to God? It has everything to do with that attitude. Where we say today, man, I'm going to give my absolute best to the task. I'm going to give my absolute best to this as an act of worship, and God meets us in that place. By faith, we partner with God wherever we are, and we can bring glory to God in our worship. Our faith connects us with God in work, in working God's plan. We see now about Noah, Hebrews eleven seven, It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, this passage talks about Noah condemning the world, but, but that's a very small part of it because Noah actually saves the world. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you see that God says that the world is so corrupted, it's so violent, that the image, the picture you get is God is concerned that humanity is literally going to kill itself out, that humanity is literally going to wipe itself off the face of the earth, and God says, I, I can't have that. We need to redeem this. We need to save this. And so God calls Noah. He says, Noah, what I want you to do is I want you to build this boat, this giant boat. There's going to be this flood. It's going to wipe everybody out except those that get in the boat. And so Noah, I need you to build a boat. Now Jewish tradition also holds this, that Noah was constantly preaching. You know, it took a long time to build this boat when you didn't have power tools you know this is all you know hand saws and and cut the tree down with the axe this is the cut the tree down motion and this is the hand saw motion and this is the hammering motion you know and so noah's got a lot of this and that and this happening you know it takes years and his sons are building and you get get this idea that Noah's just sort of you know he's got there's not even a blueprint there maybe it's in the sand maybe it's a stick I don't know but noah is sawing noah is chopping noah is hammering he's building this boat and people are walking by and they're like "What are you doing? And Noah's like, I'm saving the world. I'm building this boat. Would you like to have a seat on the boat? Because I'd love for you to join me. That's is Jewish tradition, is that Noah is preaching. What's his preaching? It's an invitation to get on the boat. Noah's like, you know, hey, if you're not on the boat, you're going to die. That'd be really unfortunate for you. Why don't you get on the boat with me? Life could be really good. We could all. Be, it's like a cruise. I'm Captain Noah. You could come on. It could be amazing. And people are like, Noah, you're crazy. We're not going to do this. And so, for years, Noah's hammering and he's cutting and he's sawing and he's building this boat together and he's preaching. He's telling people, Get on the boat. Come on. Come on. Get on the boat. We got plenty of food. We got plenty of animals. You know, we got plenty of stuff. Come on. Get on the boat. The scripture tells us that God is the one who seals the door because when it starts to rain and people realize Noah was right, it's not Noah's fault that they can't get on the boat. God says, You had your chance. The door has been open. You've been invited for years. This, that was the time to get on. You see, By faith, Noah saves the world and the world condemns itself effectively because Noah is constantly inviting and people are going, no, I don't want to be a part of that. You see, it's faith that connects Noah with God's work. It's faith that makes that connection where God builds his kingdom with us. Just as he did it with Noah, God wants to save the world again through me and you. As we, as Christ followers, are telling people, listen, Jesus has made this amazing offer where you just put your faith in Him and He brings you to heaven and you get to escape from all of this terrible stuff and and you get to escape from an eternity separated from Him. This is what we call hell. You get to escape all of that if you just put your faith in, in Jesus, if you just get on this boat. That's what we're called to do, to partner with God in that work through faith. Faith connects us there. Faith connects us with people. You'll see Abraham mentioned constantly throughout this passage where you'll see that Abraham, by his faith, builds up a nation. When he and his wife Sarah were far past the age of having children, God gives them children and builds up this nation that's supposed to be a nation of priests that all nations of the world would be blessed through. Abraham is connected with God through faith, and that connects him with God's people. Jesus will tell us in His own ministry that anybody can be a child of Abraham through faith. It's faith that connects us with each other just as it connects us with God. That faith, it's a partnership with God. I know we don't talk about being partners with God. We talk about God being a Lord and and a Savior. But but really, there's an invitation throughout Scripture to work with God, to work alongside God. It starts in the garden. It comes to Noah and Abraham. And all the way through, God is constantly saying, look what I'm doing. Would you like to do this with me? We could work to build a kingdom here. That's what God is asking us to do. To not just see the future, but to be partners in building that future. You see, faith, it works while it waits for God to renew all things. Our teaching theme for this year has been joining God in the renewal of all things. That renewal starts in our hearts. God wants to renew our lives. He wants to rebuild our lives, and he wants to use us to renew the entire world. He wants to renew your family through you. He wants to renew your workplace through you. He wants to renew our community through us. That's what God wants to do. It's faith that knows that one day God is going to finish His work and perfect it. But while we wait for that to happen, we have the capacity to be able to work with God in this moment. You know, it's interesting and funny, and really by funny I mean sad, when you look through recent church history, you'll see that the thing that has really caused the most division, I think, within the church has been an understanding of what we're supposed to do right now in this life. You see, up until about World War I, the the whole church was kind of united in this idea that we were going to sort of like make the world a better place, and that in making the world a better place, that we would sort of spread the kingdom of God and the gospel would go around. And and you sort of look at history and you see that, you know, things like vaccines were coming, you know, together and science was coming together. And people sort of thought that eventually, you know, we were going to make this world like the kingdom of God on earth, and then eventually God was just going to kind of come from heaven to earth because, like, we'd made it just like heaven. And there was just kind of this idea that things were getting better. and better and better and better but then world war one happens and then you got a great depression that happens and you've got world war two that comes and humanity looks at our own capacity for evil and how our technology has kept up with our evil imagination and 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 it just wrecked the church and the church was sort of broken by this and they said man what are we supposed to do in this point of time and this is where you kind of have a schism in modern history in the church one branch of the church says, you know what our job is to do right now is to make this world a better place. You know, we're kind of tired of waiting on God. Maybe God's not going to come. You know, there's a lot of skepticism that comes. But they say, you know what, what we can do is bring glory to God by, by doing his will here. And we're going to take care of people. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to care for the sick. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. And then you had another group of the church that said, you know what, we're never going to make this right. This world is just a train wreck. The only thing that we can do is hope for heaven. And so they said, we're not going to worry about feeding the sick, we're not going to worry about the poor, we're not going to worry about any of that kind of stuff. We're just going to help to save people's souls, and we're just going to tell them the gospel of Jesus and how eventually it's going to save them from this hell and the next hell, and that's what we're going to tell them. And, and, you know, it's sort of like it's an either-or choice. Like, either you can be saved in heaven or you can be saved right now, but you can't be saved both. And I think the thing that's exciting about... Our point of time right now in church history is we see this rise of of a new generation. They're calling it the new evangelical movement that's saying, listen, it it can be both. We can care for the poor and the sick and the immigrant, and we can also tell people about hope in heaven. We can do both of these things together. That's faith. It says we're going to partner with God to make this world as renewed as possible while we wait for God to come and renew all things. That's where we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. You get a picture of this here in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, all these people, people that we looked at, people that we didn't, it says they were living by faith when they died. Notice this it says they did not receive the things promised. In other words, they were working for something they were hoping for, but they didn't get it in their lifetime. God didn't show up, God didn't make everything perfect, heaven didn't come down. They were a little disappointed. But it says that they saw them and they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. In other words, they said, you know what? We know that we're not going to get that. We knew we weren't going to get there, but that didn't stop us from trying. People who saw, say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. In other words, you can always go back. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, these people of faith like Abraham and Noah, uh, all of the others that are listed here. Then again, there's many, many, many listed. They all look forward to God coming to earth through Jesus Christ. And they all were saying, man, at some point in time, God is going to step down and he's going to join this world just like he was in the beginning. And we're going to be reunited with him and we're going to be reunited with each other and all things will be renewed. And they had the vision to see that. And while they waited for it, they continued to work for it. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of the kind of visionary capacity that a guy like Albert Einstein, my battery is perfectly working now. Good. Okay. It just died. It's back now. Thank you. Albert Einstein kind of had this kind of vision. Now, he also had math on his side. But, you know, it, it seems like every, about every other year now, there's an article that will come out that will say, you know, Einstein proved right again. Einstein was proved right Again. You know, recently there was this theory about black holes and their effect on gravity and orbit. I wish I could explain it to you. I can't understand it. I saw an infographic on livescience.com. It was very fascinating. It talked about how the, the orbital shifts wobble because of this. And they're like, you know, we just now have been able to actually detect this, but Einstein predicted it, you know, decades ago, half a century ago, when he was doing all of his math on a chalkboard in some, you know, basement in some university someplace. Einstein predicted all this. And everybody was like, yeah we don't even know. But now we can test it. You know, he's just sort of as he's down there, he's seeing, he could see all this stuff and, and that the letters and the numbers and all the symbols that, you know, my math uses, I don't get any of it. And he's like, you know, I, this is how gravity works. All right, we'll take your word for it. You know, now we might, some of you might say, well, that's just math, right? You know, math proves these things. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. But, you know, I think about a guy like Martin Luther King Jr. too, right? What what did he say? He said, I have this dream. In other words, I have a vision. I have faith that at some point in time, things are going to be different. That our society is going to be fundamentally altered and changed. where We're not concerned about racial issues. We're just concerned about the content and quality of a person's character. And he was able to see some of that vision realized. And there's more of that for us to work towards. You see, that's faith. It says, I see what is possible, even if it's not here yet. And while I see what's possible, I'm going to work to make that vision, that dream, a reality. The author of Hebrews celebrates spiritual visionaries like this. closes out the chapter by saying this. It says, the world was not worthy of them. The world is not worthy of such spiritual visionaries. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. And you might say, why are they living in all these weird places? Because the world rejected them. The world said, you know, we don't believe that. We think this is the best that there's going to be. I mean, people were killed and executed and martyred for their belief that God was doing something. But the world was not worthy of them. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I love this last little part, that together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, all of those heroes of the faith that we look back and look up to, God is saying, listen, we're all going to get that vision, we're all going to get that perfect renewal together in my kingdom we're going to receive at the same time Abraham does, the same time Noah does, the same time Moses does, the apostles, Peter and Paul and James and John. We're all going to realize this together if we will hold on by faith. And so as the worship team comes out, we, we kind of wrap this up. I want to just ask you this question. How? What is God wanting to do in your life? What is that vision maybe that God's put on your heart that maybe you've You've put aside or put down, or you've just sort of written off as not being possible or practical or approachable. What is God trying to build in you? What is He trying to build through you? I, I want us to take just a few minutes of, of quiet here to just have a conversation with God. For some of you, you know what God's vision is for your life, and you're saying, God, would you just give me the strength and the courage to step out on faith and to do that? Others of you, maybe you've lost sight of that, and you're saying, God, I really am, I'm kind of wandering. I don't really know what it is you want for me or from me. Tell that to God. Say, God, would would you help me by faith to catch a vision for my life? What is it that you want to do in me? Let's just have a few minutes to talk to God, to ask that question, to surrender our futures to God and say, God, would you give us a vision for what you're trying to do? Let's do that right now.